Well, good morning. It's good to see everybody here today. Rested, right? Did you get some sleep? Get that extra hour? Well, good. Hey, let's, let's begin this morning by uh, going before the Lord in prayer. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, we're here, if for nothing else, to worship you for the opportunity to enter your presence. And the scripture says that as I come into your presence, I don't have to come in fear. I don't have to come in ashamed and embarrassed. But through the blood of Christ, I can come confidently, boldly. Thank you for that, Lord. Thank you that you, you hear our prayers. You care about what we say. You call this a house of prayer. So God, would you, would you hear our prayers right now? Church, just begin to, to lift up to the Lord what's on your heart this morning. Maybe it's something you want to give thanks for, something you want to confess. Maybe it's something you just need His help, His guidance, His provision. Just take a moment and lift that prayer up to the Lord. Lord, I thank you for the promise that you just heard everything. As if we were in here by ourselves in an appointment talking with you. You were dialed in to what is on each of our hearts. You hear, you care, and you will respond. And we praise you and thank you for that. Lord, we do lift up to you the United States. We lift up to you these days ahead, the election on Tuesday. We ask for your your protection on that day, your guidance on that day. I I pray it would be a day of safety, a day of peace. I pray it would be a day of wisdom as we go to elect our our leaders. Lord, obviously we're we're focused, we're thinking much on a president, but but there's governors, there's congressmen, there's there's school board people that are that are going to be elected. And God, would you Throughout all of our country and in all of these positions, would you bring into these places godly people, people who will depend upon you, look to you, people who will be guided by your will and your ways. We pray you'll make them successful in their work. Lord, I pray for for Christians this Tuesday that that we will be united, that we will be humble, that God, we will be dependent upon you and your ways as we go to elect, to to vote. God, I thank you that whatever happens, and for us it can go a variety of ways, but it will all serve you. It will serve your glory. It will serve your purposes. And may may that be our faith. Lord, I also want to take a moment and lift up to you a team of some 30 people from our family here that left yesterday morning to head to Nicaragua for the work of the gospel. I thank you that they've already had a safe trip and a good night of sleep and are even now gathering with your people in that nation to worship and sing and praise and hear from your word. And I pray your blessing upon them. I pray they have a great week. Give them good rest. Give them health. uh, Give them strength. Keep them safe. I pray they have wonderful fellowship. but, But most of all, Lord, I pray you'll strengthen them for the work of the gospel. And because of their time in this week, the kingdom of God will be advanced throughout that nation and individual lives. Bless their work toward that ends, and I pray that each of them will get to see fruit from their labor. 
Oh God, we lift all these things up to you. Thank you that in all these things you are there. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I guess that, um, that Malcolm would be the most miserable person I know on this earth. He, he is miserable in his own skin. He is miserable with his own life. You're not going to be surprised by this. He makes everybody around him miserable. It is never. I, how, how often can you use the word never? It is never a joy to be in his presence. Never a joy to, to, to be with him. I, I talk to uh, Malcolm probably several times a month. Have for years. Uh, I can't think of a single profitable conversation we've had. I can't think of a single conversation that, that was good or, or that I saw good flow from it. You might be scratching your head. Well, why do you talk to this guy? It's another story. Another story for another time. He is, he's just the most miserable person I know. You know, you, something like this, you just yeah, what, think of all the bad in his life and what he must be dealing with to be such a horrible person. You know, kind of the surprising thing about him. And, and by the way, his, name, his name's not Malcolm. Okay. He's not a member of this church. Wouldn't that be something? Hey, y'all meet Malcolm. He's sitting right over here. <laughs> he, he's not even a resident of this state. Uh, but, but he is absolutely very real. There's nothing fictional about what I'm sharing about him. He is, uh, with all this misery, he actually has a lot of good in his life. I mean, I mean a lot. He's, he's healthy. He has, uh, I, I, don't, I don't personally know his wife, but... What I know, what I've heard, she seems like a very pleasant lady, nice little boy. Um, I think I said he's healthy, strong, he's athletic, he's uh, an attractive looking man. He's been successful for the most part throughout his life. Um, he's wealthy. I, I mean, I, I don't know exactly what he has. I don't know exactly what you have, but it would be my guess that he has in his bank right now more money than than probably most of us in here, if, if not close to all of us. Just, however you would measure, you say, the guy has a lot of good. He actually can be kind of funny. Can be kind of fun to be around if you could just control how long it lasted and get out quick. Just, just, a, just a miserable person. My guess is with all that good though, he is in process and I, and I watch some of it. He'll, he'll lose all of it. He'll, he'll lose everything. And he will live. He's about my age. I'm, I'm, I mean, he, I, he's in process. He's going to live the last 20, 30 years of his life even more miserable and even more lonely th than he is right now. If you're a Lord of the Rings fan, oh my gosh, this is Gollum. N not the fictional character. This, this is him. He is Gollum. Now, I know why Gollum became Gollum, right? That whole precious, that whole ring thing. <laughs> But when you hear about somebody like a Malcolm, don't you think, why, why is he like this? What, what, what happened? And, and you know, there are two things that, that come to my mind, two things that, that uh, he will actually bring up in almost every conversation. One is a, is a relationship with a father, and, and, and it's, it's bad. I, I mean, his, his father is such, I mean, for me, it is what holds me in this, giving a, a sense of compassion, maybe helps me understand a little bit. I mean, he, he is Gollum Jr. His dad modeled this. His dad lived this. Uh, his dad was a, a very violent, very violent man. It was a very, very violent home. Uh, 
And, and, and so, you know, you'd look at, oh, yeah, I understand, yeah. But, but you know what? As bad as that was, and, and some of you've been there, um, I, he did not come out of an impossible situation. Not at all, because I've seen too many people in, in the exact same environment, in the exact same situation, uh, uh, overcome that. Not, not let that drag them down in, into misery, into unhappiness, into, into the same way of living life. So very bad, we would all understand, but not, not an impossible situation. The second thing that he, he often brings up uh, is a situation that happened between him and his brother. Um, as I said, you don't want to hang around Malcolm. You, you, you don't, if you choose to deal with him, you, you want it to be at an arm length and, and on your terms, right? Do you know that, do you have a person like this in your life? You don't have to nod. I know they're sitting next to you. We'll go over that another time. Um, well, as you can guess, his brother who lives in another city, another state, wants nothing to do with him. No, nobody wants to have to engage with him on a daily basis. Well, Malcolm came to this spot, a season in life where, where he didn't have a job. And, and he was given a, a, a new job, a new opportunity in the city where his brother lived. And, and when his brother found that, you know, the job had been offered, but, he, but he, Malcolm hadn't moved there yet, hadn't started yet. When his brother found out, he, uh, he basically undid that job. He, he, he got it withdrawn. And, um, you know, I, I guess if you knew all the details in the story, you probably would still look at that and go, ah, that's, that's not nice. <laughs> that's, that's pretty bad. But I'm guessing if you did know everything, I think almost all of us would have done the same thing. Almost on a self-defense type thing. But now keep in mind the whole context of the story now, okay? Malcolm was mostly successful before that happened. He's been successful since that happened. 15 years ago. But he talks about it like it was yesterday. This week, Wednesday afternoon, I was talking to him. And the conversation ended with him screaming. I mean screaming like a lunatic. And the last word I heard before he hung up was his brother's name. And we were talking about that event 15 years ago like it happened 15 days ago. Absolutely a miserable person. Oh gosh, I mean if there was ever... What, what, what do you do? Forgive. Oh my gosh. What, what? Hey, this is not easy to do, but boy, it's easy to know what the answer is for him. Man, you've got, you've got to forgive. I mean, it, Malcolm's life is such a clear illustration of why God calls us to forgive. And there's more than one reason. But one of them, folks, one of them is for us. Uh, listen, when you forgive somebody, that hurt, that failure, that disappointment against you, you're not giving them a gift. You're, you're not doing them a favor. You're doing yourself a favor. You're, you're giving yourself a gift w- w- when you do that. Oh my gosh, it is our own lives that we are destroying with hate, with anger, and, and, and with bitterness. And of course he's heard that. But, but Malcolm, for the life of him, just cannot let his brother, his father, off the hook 
of his anger, off the hook of his sense of, of justice. And he's the only person on this planet who can't see. He's the only one on the hook. His brother doesn't live on that hook. His brother's fine. His father doesn't live on that hook. It's his own life that is, that is flailing on that hook. And yeah, obviously, I've, gosh, folks, I've tried to, to share this with him in, in more ways than I can remember now, at more times than I can, than I can count. And I just came recently to the conclusion, and as a matter of fact, it, 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 this, this story I'm telling you is really what led to this series that we're going to be in for the next couple of weeks. I, I, I've come to the place of, of, of thinking that Ma- Malcolm can't forgive. There, there is an inability, there is an impossibility for him to forgive. Now, what I just said actually is biblically wrong. And I try as a preacher not to say just like a whole lot of biblically wrong things, right? Right? Okay, that would have been a little more encouraging. Yeah. Um, So anyway, yeah, that's not a right biblical... No, God doesn't command us to do things we can't do. God does not command the impossible. And yet, I just said it's impossible. But he's still guilty, He'll still be held accountable for it and he'll still be judged. Does that make God unfair? Absolutely not. Because here's why. Malcolm created his inability. There was a place where he had the ability. He had the possibility. But he created his inability to forgive. And folks, he did it through a lack of gratitude. Forgiveness is hard. You, you, you've got to have something to, to draw from when you're doing that. And you know what? When all you're feeling is debt and loss and anger, it's pretty hard to muster up some forgiveness in that. And, and see, he, is at, he has reached a place in his life. He sees nothing that God has done for him. Nothing. He sees nothing that others have done for him. And, and folks, there are people around him that really have tried to serve and to help. And, 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 and to, he sees none of He sees nothing good in his life because somewhere along the way, he got stuck. That's it. He just got stuck. Do you realize there's nothing unique or monstrous about Malcolm? He is like every person in this room and the things operating in him are operating in every single one of us. There's not one of us that can't get stuck. And one day, all of a sudden, that stuck almost becomes permanent. And now all I can see is the anger and the hurt and the failure and the disappointment. And yeah, mustering up some forgiveness from that view, pretty challenging, if not impossible. Folks, it's gratefulness that keeps us from building a horde of hate in our lives. It is, it is gratefulness that keeps us from, from getting trapped in an asylum of, of anger. It is gratefulness that becomes the, the motive, the impetus, the, the ability to love and to forgive. And that is so vital to living in and to enjoying relationship. Let me say again, there's nothing unique, nothing unique at all about Malcolm. 
He got stuck in things that you and I do every single day. I've explained this before. I've used this illustration a number of times. Um, How many times have you been, or how often when you're driving down the road... Do do you find yourself, your mind just, you you didn't choose to, your mind just kind of wandered there and you just began thinking about the the, the good people in your life and the good qualities in them. You just find yourself, all of a sudden you're just thinking about how wonderful your mate is and what they do and how they sacrifice and how wonderful this person, this child, this parent, this coach. You just find yourself, I just always find myself thinking on the, the goodness of people. Or how often do you find yourself driving down the road going, I wonder why she said that yesterday. Because I know what she is. And I know why she would say that. Why is he always like that? Always he does that. Do you find your mind wandering to, to the ugliness of people, the meanness of people, how they're hurting you, how they're affecting you? Now I'm asking this as if, as if it's one or the other. And the answer to the question is yes. Yeah, we do both of these things. But that's not the point I'm making. I think more often than not, folks, when you and I are are thinking about the goodness of others and what we appreciate about someone, it's because we have stopped and chosen to do that. It's not where our mind naturally goes. It's Thanksgiving. I need to stop and think about something I'm thankful for. Heard a sermon. I'm being thankful. Just realized I need, I'm writing something in a card. Yeah, I mean, there are, you know, we will stop. We will do that. And I think a lot of, we will gladly do that. We want to appreciate. We want to acknowledge. But here's, see all that I just described? Watch this. You've never once in your life had to choose to stop and think evil about somebody else. Not one time. Not one time did you say, you know what I need to do? I just need to stop right now and I need to remember why it is I don't like them. What was it? Not, one, not once did you say, man, I'm driving down the road here. I got nothing to think about. I'm just going to think about ugly, mean people in my life. Now, let's see. Who are they? Let's see. There's. We all do that, but we've never once chosen to do that. Do you see what, what I'm saying? See, we naturally do that. Our heart races to that. We're all doing it, and sometimes we get stuck. And that's why we're going to take three weeks here and we're going to do a series on gratitude. Now, you might wonder, as I did about myself, gosh, do I really need to be told three Sundays in a row to be thankful? I mean, that's not a difficult message, right? Be thankful. Okay. Yeah, got it. (laughs) But we're not as much going to take three weeks to hear be thankful as folks, what we're going to try to unwrap here is the power and really a brand new word for me, and, and, and I got it thinking about Malcolm, the protection that gratitude brings into our lives. Gratitude will protect your relationships and how you look at them. Gratitude will protect your outlook on life. Gratitude can protect how you know and relate and understand God. That, by the way, is the three messages That's what we're going to be looking at in this. And and today on relationships, and I've already used up most of the the message talking about Malcolm. So let's talk about somebody else for a second uh, other than Malcolm. That's a bad example. But the scripture gives us a good example of what can be and what can happen when you and I choose to be grateful. You remember a guy in scripture by the name of Paul? Yeah. Yeah, we do. Yeah, Paul. Paul, St. Paul, the Apostle Paul, guy that wrote two-thirds of, of about the New Testament. 
Yeah, super, super famous guy, wonderful guy, servant of the Lord, servant of the church, servant of the gospel of, of Jesus. And boy, did his serving that. The Lord, the church, the gospel, boy, did it cost him. Matter of fact, I, I read a passage, I don't remember, three, just three, four messages ago, wasn't too long ago, I read a passage to you out of 2 Corinthians chapter 11 that talked about the cost to Paul of, of serving the Lord and the church and the gospel. And you remember that? It starts off by saying five different times he was whipped with 39 lashes. Do you realize just going through that one time, one time, if he'd have been whipped with 39 lashes, his back would have been permanently scarred and damaged. He would have felt, just from once, he would have felt pain every day the rest of his life from that. And it happened five times. I'm guessing a lot of us in here would not be able to stomach if we looked at Paul's back after that. Five times, three times he was beaten with rods. One time they, they drug him out of the city and they threw rocks at him until they believed he was dead. He didn't die. But can you imagine what he looked like laying there on the ground that they said, we're done. He's dead. Can you, can you imagine what he looked like in that moment? So what is that? Five, three, nine times. Nine times in his life, he was beaten within an inch of his life. I don't know. I think that's a pretty good spot to say, you know, I think I need another job. think I'm going to try something else. So encyclopedias. And you know, he would say that wasn't even the most difficult thing he would deal with. What? You know what he said was the, the biggest weight in his life? You. Me. The church. He said, I'm so overwhelmed with my concern, my, my anxiety, my worry for, for you, for us, the group, that, that, that we're growing in the Lord, that we know the Lord, that we're strong in the Lord, that, that we are being what God has us on this planet to be as the, the body of Christ. He was so overwhelmed with that. It was a weight, he said, was on him every single day. Again, all this emotional pressure, all this physical beatings. I think this is about the place I say, I'm done here. As a matter of fact, honestly, I don't know how you don't get to the place where, you, where I, not only do I say I'm done, but I think I would say, you know what? I don't like God. I don't like you. And I don't like life. I'm out of here. How, how does he not become a Malcolm? And yet when you read in the New Testament about Paul and you see how he's living, he's the polar opposite of a Malcolm. He... You would think this guy was just living from one big mountaintop to the next. Just a life filled with joy, a life filled with, with peace, a life filled with motivation, a life filled with energy. Just, just abundance. Abundance is where this guy is living. How? How, do, how does he do it with all that he's dealing with? How does he keep that attitude? All those physical beatings came at the hands of the Jews. The church wasn't doing that to him. The, the Jews were doing that to him because he's running around telling this crazy story that, that, that Jesus was the Messiah. And, and they wanted to stop that to the, the point that they were willing to kill him. What's generally your thoughts about people you think are trying to kill you? Look, look what Paul's thoughts were about them. Two verses that come out of Romans 9 and 10. He says, I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. Now that part I get, but let, let's finish the thought. 
For I could wish that I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, because he's a Jew, for my brothers, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. My heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they may be saved. These are people trying to kill him, and he says, man, more than anything, I want for them the very best and the very most. I want for them to know God and eternal life and, and to be safe. You know what? This is a lot more than just getting along with somebody, isn't it? You and I are Christians, and we're going to go to church, and we're going to hear a message. You need to forgive. You need to be kind. Just go home and deal with it. So we stomp into the room. <laughs> I'm going to be nice. I'm going to put up with this. And this is a whole lot more than, this is way beyond being nice. This is way beyond putting up with it, isn't it? I mean, he's basically saying here, if I, if, if it would make a difference, if I was cursed, if I was removed from Christ, if that would bring them to salvation, I would do it. I would do it. How, Paul? How, how do you do that? How do you have that mindset and attitude? And folks, I want to show you, it is so clear, the discipline the discipline that he's put in his life. I use the word discipline. Remember where I talked about how our minds naturally kind of wander to how people hurt us? I don't have to choose that. My mind just goes there. Discipline is something any of us can do, but it kind of rises above what we do naturally. Like we all get up early in the morning and go running to be healthy, right? Yeah, that's a discipline. We don't naturally get up and hit the road. No, we choose to get up and, and, and hit the road. Well, that's what you're going to see in Paul. is a discipline to look at people through the eyes of gratitude. Watch this. Look at, look at all these verses. First one, in his letter to the church in Corinth, he starts off and he says, I give thanks to my God always for you. Now, the church in Corinth, folks, was a disaster of a church. Worst example of a church in the New Testament I mean, they were sexually immoral, they fought, they were mean, they, they, they were divided. That's no real surprise. Their, their theology was messed up, how they did church was... They messed up the Lord's Supper. How do you mess that up? And they turned it into a debacle. It was a disaster of a church. And Paul, in chapter 1, verse 4, is getting ready to write one of his longest letters in the New Testament. 16 chapters long, confronting all these problems. This is not going to be a fun letter. And yet he starts off saying, man, I'll tell you something. When I think about you guys, my heart's filled with gratitude. I, there, there's so much good about you, and I am grateful for you. I want you to know, I thank God for you. And that's just one time. Watch this. Church in Ephesus, he says, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. To the church in Philippi, I thank my God in all my... Rem Man, every time your, your name, every time that church comes across my mind, I just find myself saying, man, God, thank you for who they are, what they do, how they, how they live for you. To the church in Colossae, he says, we always, always... Thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. To the church in Thessalonica, he says, we give thanks to God always for all of you. Again to the church in Thessalonica, a second letter, we ought. He adds the word ought to this always and all the time and giving thanks. Man, I, hey, listen, I, this is mandatory on my life. I don't have a choice. This is how I ought to be. This is how I ought to. I owe you. Isn't that what the word ought means? 
I owe you this gratitude. Now, everything I've just quoted so far, that's letters to churches. That's letters to to groups of people. We have an example of him writing to an individual To to Timothy, he says, man, I thank my God. I thank God whom I serve as I remember you constant. You hear these words? Always, all, constantly. That's called discipline, isn't it? When you do something all the time, whether you feel like it or not, you do something all the time, whether it's hot or cold, you do something all the time, whether it's sunny or rainy, you do something all the time, whether it's fun or not, always, all the time, constantly, constantly. In my prayers for you night and day. Do you see the discipline he's put in his life? Now I I, I focused on the church in Corinth. And talking about how bad they are. These other churches were not anything like Corinth. But most of the time he's writing these letters. There's a reason. Something's wrong. You know, he's discovered, he's learned, hey, the way you're approaching that. The way you believe, your understanding. And that's not quite right. Hey, the way you're doing this, eh, let's do it this way. I mean, I mean, there's always a little bit of an error in that. But in every one of these things, he's shaping it through the view. He's looking at it through the lens of gratitude. And, and in a lot of these verses, I didn't, I didn't quote what follows these verses. But if you were to go to 1 Thessalonians 1, 2 and 3, or Second Thessalonians 1, 3, and 4, and 5. You know what he does after saying this? A lot of times he gives you a specific reason. It's not just a general, oh, I'm sure thankful for y'all. Now let's get down to business. Now that I got that out of the way. No, he, he actually has been thinking about it. And he says, man, I thank God for you. You know what? The other day I was at this place. There was a bunch of us pastors. A bunch of churches were there together. And they were all talking about your church. They were all talking about the faith you showed in that moment. And how God showed up and did this. Hey, I heard this guy the other day. He was telling me about being at your church. And he was talking about the love that he experienced. The love that he saw. He tells another, man, the, the work y'all do. As a matter of fact, he says that to the church in Thessalonica. Man, all over, all over Asia Minor, all over the Christian Empire, they're talking about that people doesn't like they work for the Lord, man. They are just knocking it out all the. So he's not just saying thank you, but he's actually thinking about some very specific reasons to communicate why he is thankful for them. And again, not all of this is in rewarding relationships. Not, not, not all of this is it, is it easy to do that. Wow, why does he do that? Is he just better than you and me? I mean, that'd be kind of the easy way out. Yeah, if all just better than us. He's just a good guy. He must have been one of those, you know, self-help conferences. And they said, just give thanks for everything. How, why does he do that? You know, I wonder if it was something as simple... This, this attitude, this discipline that he's clearly built in his life, I wonder, I wonder if he's doing this because of a simple command. Love one another. Love's hard. L- l- love one another. And that's his way of obeying. Isn't that the command on your life and my life too? And that's kind of the message of the New Testament, isn't it? I mean, it's one of the big ones. One of the big messages of the entire Bible. Love one another. Okay, we got the message. Now, how do I do that? What, what does that mean? Because I, I love my wife with all my heart. But I love pepperoni pizza too. I mean, surely the word love means that's got to be different, right? And my wife pizza can't be the same. 
And yet we throw that word out there. Well, doesn't the New Testament kind of define love for us? I mean, isn't one of the purposes of Jesus walking on this earth to show us what it looks like to, to walk in love, to live love? To, I mean, I can look at his life. That's an example. That's a definition. We have passages in the Bible that, that explain what love is, that explain what, what love does. I think a lot of us might, we might remember what uh, 1 Corinthians 13, right? The, the great love chapter. Remember right in the middle of that, it starts, to say, it starts to rattle off all these things. Boy, love is patient. Love is kind. Love's not, not jealous. It doesn't, it doesn't boast. I mean, there's this, these poetic ways of expressing love. I, I love the way that ends in verse 7. It says this, love bears all things. It believes all things. It hopes all things. It endures all things. Boy, that is just hallmark ready to go, isn't it? I mean, you know, you read that. That is so inspiring. It's so romantic. It's so, I mean, you just, how can you not read that and go, yeah, man. Yeah, that's, that's what love is. Until you stop and think of what it, it's telling you to do. See, if I'm really trying to love like that, if this is, okay, I get what God says, love one another, and this is what love is, then that means I'm going to bear with you in all things. Does that sound romantic? I mean, I read that, I think, no, I'm not. I'm not, not even close. I'm going to trust you. Right now, how many of you, don't raise your hands. <laughs> How many of you have more, have more than one person, more than one person in your life that you relate with on a regular basis? There's no way on God's green earth you're going to trust them in everything. You're not even sure you trust them in a few things. No, no, I'm going to, I'm going to trust you in all. I am going to hope for the best when it comes to you. In all. Isn't that what Paul just showed us? I mean, here's, here's a group of people trying to kill him. What's generally your attitude about people trying to kill you? What did Paul just show us? Man, I want the very best for you. I hope the very best for you. Whatever it would take, I would take it on so that you, so that the Jews experience the very most, the very best from God. I mean, that's what Paul just illustrated in those passages in Romans. I will, I'm going to endure. I mean, I'll just put up I, I mean, the second time, the third time, the fourth time. Folks, I'm not going to do that. And I'm not embarrassed saying that in front of you because none of you are either. And do you know why I won't? And do you know why you won't love like this? I mean, it's super easy. Because I'm too selfish and you're not worth it. I'm not saying you're not worthy, me being nice, holding the door, saying hello, writing a, a note of thank you periodically. Not, not, not this all things, bear and trust and hope. I'm too selfish and you're not worth it. And, and any one of us, if we're being honest, would be saying the exact same thing. So How? How, how am I going to rise above my selfishness? How am I going to rise above your unworthiness to love like that? Because that is what I'm called to do, as are you. Gratitude. Gratitude. It, 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 when, when I am so 
full with the good of life, that begins to give me the motivation to start looking. See, if all I see, if I just look across this room and all I see is debt, you owe, you make me angry, you make me, all I see is the hurt and the law. I mean, how do I get up past? I got nothing to draw from unless I draw from the fullness and the goodness in my life. And it is gratitude that keeps the fullness and the goodness in my life in front of me. Now, listen, there could be a lot of things that we could talk about right here, but does not the believer always have something to be thankful for? Whether I'm having a good day or a bad day, it's raining or it's beautiful, it's I just got a raise or I just got fired. Hey, here's the bottom line of all things. I am loved. I am mightily loved and forgiven and accepted by the king of all kings. And that king has gone to build a home for me. And he's promised he's coming back to get me so that I can enjoy that home forever and ever and ever. Hey, listen, your life on this planet might be awful. And you might be surrounded by awful people. But it's just a trip. It's just a trip. And one day you'll step into eternity and you'll see, wow, it was a short trip. Just one exit to the next. How am I going to take that trip? What's going to be my view of people? I'm going to draw on the goodness of all I have, on the goodness of where I'm going. Why? Because I owe everybody. No, this is to protect me. This is, to, this is to protect how I look at people, how I look at relationships so I can love like Jesus loved because he loved me like that and couldn't have Jesus. I'm not bearing with Randy anymore. Trust him. Why? Fifteen times this week he showed me why I shouldn't trust him. Jesus isn't calling you and I to be or do any more than he's done for us, right? So I draw off of what's been done to me. At least that's, that's the idea. I'm drawing off of what's been done for me to try to have an attitude and a view of others that way. So here's what we do. Here's what we do. I'll start with marriage, but we'll pull that word out and you can put any word in. You, you, want, you want to take your marriage to a new and better place in 21 days? I sound like a commercial, don't I? If you do this, you get Ginsu knives with it, okay? You want, you want to take your marriage to a new and better place in 21 days? And by the way, I'm not implying that your marriage is at an old bad place. Wherever your marriage is, you want to take it to a better place in three weeks. Now, three weeks would be, I think, a day or two after Thanksgiving. But basically, you use this Thanksgiving season to take your marriage to a brand new and a better place. Here's what you do. For 21 days in a row, every day you write down three things. Write it down. It actually, it's a discipline. I didn't say it was easy. It's a discipline. Write it down. Write it on a piece of paper and keep a, a running list. Three things you are thankful for in this relationship and in that person, your mate. And do that for 21 days. Now, I know right now you're thinking three times 20. That's like 63. I don't think there are 63 things to be good. Could I do like three days, just one thing a day? No, you, some repetition's okay. Listen, it can be a big thing, a small thing. It can be general. It can be specific. Listen, it could, it, you can be thankful for something that happened last night. And you can be thankful for something that was 10 years ago. And you know what? I'm confident there's at least one marriage in here. All you may have to be thankful for is something that happened 10 years ago. Then go back there. Then go back there. Go back 10 years and you figure out 63 things out of 10 years ago or more that you can write down each day and watch what happens. Now, I'm not promising you this will change them. 
We're talking about protecting you. Watch what happens to your tone of voice. Watch what happens to how you respond. Watch what happens to how you view them. And folks, that is something that can actually make things better. Watch, watch what happens. Remember, you're, you're not actually doing them a favor. And gosh, we shouldn't have any problem with doing a favor for our mate. This, this is for you that you're doing this. Now, take out the word mate and put in a parent. Put in a child. Put in a boss. A co-worker, a, 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 another student, a, a roommate. Put, put them in there and, and do the same thing. You know, folks, this isn't something we... Okay, when Thanksgiving comes and goes, we're done. Whew, I did that, it stung the whole time. I'm never doing that again. No, folks, the actual goal of this would be that there will never be another day in our lives on this planet when we don't have a list running. This is just the first list. We're going to have one running all the time. And maybe, maybe we'll have two or three lists going all the time. Would that be so horrible? We're going to have two or three lists going all the time. Maybe what we need to do before we start our list today is we need to go home and say, Hey, God, is there, is there a relationship in my life where I need some protection Is there a relationship in my life where, man, I mean, I may just be one more hurt away and all of a sudden I'm going to be paralyzed and stuck only seeing hurt? You can become a Malcolm so fast. So fast. And I'll bet you God will answer that prayer within three minutes. I don't think you'll have to fast and pray and plead with God for an answer. I bet you will know instantly, yeah, you need to do this with this person. Now, folks, when you and I do this, there's, there's two things that are happening. One, we are placing ourselves square on the platform of obedience. Because this has been commanded of you and I. Lots and lots of passages. One that comes to my mind, 1 Thessalonians 5.18. In everything... In everything, in every single relationship, give thanks. The operative word there is in. Not for. In the relationship, not for. Hey, listen, some of us are in some relationships that there's nothing to be grateful for. There's not, it's like Malcolm and his dad. That's a, just a horrible, vile, evil, sin-filled relationship. There ain't nothing to be thankful for. But there's a whole lot to be thankful in. Isn't it good news for a believer that I am not living in a random world of evil. I live a purposeful life. And God has promised me that anything that touches my life, he's good, he's in control, and he's going to use it for the good he's doing in my life. That's next week's sermon, by the way. Boy, we need that for an outlook of life because you and I got to process a lot of things that may not even look like God's here or cares. So when I'm giving thanks, I am, I, am, I am living on the platform of obedience. And folks, that's just always going to be a good place and a good way to take on life. The second thing you're doing, the second thing you're doing is you are protecting yourself from slipping down a Malcolm Lane. Let me say it again. You're protecting yourself from becoming the most miserable person on this planet. And there's nobody in here beyond it. Nobody. Because this world, I mean, this isn't a newsflash, right? This world is filled with a lot of pain and hurt. 
This is a protection we need. Heavenly Father, I just come before you right now and I am, I am thankful that I don't have to muster up things to be thankful for. I, I'm thankful this doesn't need to be some kind of hypothetical focus on the positive. No, you've given me very concrete reasons to live a life of gratitude in my salvation, in my relationship with you. God, would you help all of us to keep our eyes focused on that, start drawing from that bucket of goodness and may that start affecting the way we view people around us, from those we love the most to those that we don't. God, I would pray for every person in this room, everybody watching us through live stream right now, that, that God, this exercise over the Thanksgiving season, would you use it to change our lives and to build powerful, precious walls of protection around our heart and life in our relationships. We ask for this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.